guys. It's not anywhere in the book. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to That's on the Book. I'm your host, Agent X. I'm a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. Please remember that no AA member, including myself, including any guest on the show, speak for AA as a whole. The only aim of this podcast is to be helpful. Please remember you can get in contact with me at any time at That's on the Book at Hotmail.com. Um, yeah, it's funny. I was just all so worked up. And then it was like, oh, we're going to say our prayer. And then we're just going to chill the fuck out. And I think sometimes I find it almost hilarious how easily today as a recovered alcoholic, I can go back to the source, I can reconnect with God, I can calm down, and how easily I just flat out refuse to do that. Do you have any experience (laughs) with that? (laughs) Meaning like I today, today is actually my AA birthday, by the way. Yay for love. Yay for God. We don't acknowledge it. Like, like I don't claim my birth. I'm not like, look what I've done, you know, so don't congratulate me. I didn't do it. But how easily, even at this many years sober, I can like get upset and I can get, um, I can get sick in a way. And then how easy it is to go back to God and just by praying, like our little prayer, you saw me, I was like all discontent and like a little bit tense. And then I was like, or we could just pray for eight seconds and feel better. You know what I mean? God doesn't make any too hard of terms to get to him. Is that your experience? Um, It's definitely my experience. Uh, First of all, congratulations. I assume you're celebrating an AA anniversary today. Is that what you said? Yes, it's my AA anniversary today. That's amazing. Uh, I mean, isn't it amazing? Because I'm a drunk and a loser and should be dead. So (laughs) I don't know about you, but it is pretty miraculous. (laughs) Are I allowed to ask how many years you celebrated? No, I refuse to say it on this podcast. And the reason is because I I don't want to be time bullied. And what I mean by time bullied is that, you know, no matter what I say, either I don't have enough sobriety or I have too much sobriety to be relevant. And the other reason is I did my steps in the first 24 days. And I really, you know, I had a profound spiritual awakening as a result of the steps. And then I instantly started carrying the message and helping other alcoholics. So my message hasn't changed since I was 24 days sober, but I'm more articulate today. That's like the whole depth and weight of it, you know? I'm a little bit less fucked up than I was. So, but I feel like my job in AA, and I'm excited to hear what you feel like your job in AA is. One of my jobs in AA is to cheerlead the newcomer into sponsorship. So when people say things like, you know, I I don't know what I'm doing to sponsor. I'm not able to sponsor. I'm not ready to sponsor. Yeah, you're not. You're not ready to sponsor. Get the big book and go read that, that. That's the solution. You don't have to make anything up. It wasn't my program. It's not my program. I didn't do it. You know, I didn't fucking write it. (laughs) Do you feel like you have a job in AA? When I tell you, like, one of my jobs is to be a sponsorship cheerleader, do you feel like you have a job in AA? I mean, I do. I feel like I have a job. And, and, you know, for me, I feel like my job is to give what was given to me. Yeah. More of a responsibility than a job. Yeah. Um, I think we're here receive a message and implement it into our lives and carry the message and help other people. Um, I always helped other people as a do-gooder and a people pleaser and was looking for something in return. Yes. 
you know, it's not a job, meaning like it's a drag or a hassle or some sort of obligation, but it's, you know, it's an opportunity for me to, to carry the message that I was given to other people because we have a serious life-threatening disease. Um, and a lot of people don't know what we have, whether mm -hmm. we have it or other members or society or jobs or whatever. And I feel it's like the least that I could do would be to return the favor that I was given by so many people and to just help a person. Kind of Sharon, before, I don't know if you had heard me when I was breaking up, but I would always love to help people and people please because I hated myself and I didn't feel good about myself and I needed validation and I needed a pat on the back and I needed people to like me and I needed all sorts of external things. <clears throat> um, and therefore I did everything for everybody under the guises that I'm such a good person and a nice person. And in reality, even though those things are true to a point, I was not being nice or good in any way. In fact, I was being very selfish. Uh, Sponsy this uh, morning asked, she goes, what's self-sacrificing? And I'm like, I should just like put her on this call real quick. That's self-sacrificing. But what I find is that alcoholics actually want to be helpers. Like we always kind of have been, we always wanted to serve, but we were doing it in the wrong way. Like we didn't have any instructions of how to be of maximum service to God and other people. We didn't know, you know, so we were out here just winging, trying to help people. But actually, a lot of the time, a side effect of me, air quotes, helping was that I would hurt people unintentionally. And one of the ways, like, I remember staying at a girlfriend's house and I was, you know, to say thank you, I decided to, like, clean her kitchen and reorganize it. And she came home and she was like, you thought my kitchen was dirty? You know, she didn't see that as some act of love. She saw it as me criticizing her. So the thing about AA is, like, I have this very specific clear-cut direction manual that if that I am capable of offering to you for the only reason that I have alcoholism. One alcoholic helping another is the only reason that this has worked for any of us, you know? And um, as long as we stick to the script, which is the big book, which we didn't fucking make up, you know, um, we can now serve others in a very specific way. It doesn't make sense to me that I'm suffering from this fatal progressive illness, uh, not treated with time or meetings or a lot of the things that we hear in AA today that it's treated with, um, that God's going to save me from this uh, hopeless state of mind and body so I can go clean up trash or help the homeless. Yes, those jobs need to be done, but that's it doesn't make sense that that would be my primary purpose, you know? Um, I liked a couple things you said. You said you don't find it a hassle, but I always harp on the fact that it is. I don't like doing anything in AA. 10, 11, and 12 are work for me. Like, I don't wake up naturally like, can't wait to connect with God today and then serve people. I wasn't born altruistic. I'm very, still very selfish, even at this many years sober. Um, and you made, you made a really great point about we wanted to help people, but we didn't know how. Yeah. And, and of that. And the one thing that this program taught me is how to help people, but also not to need to people please in order to gain acceptance. So now I can be helpful to others mm. without expecting things in return and being mm. super off and angry that all I do for you and I'm the victim and then you screwed me over 
at all all the stuff and why do I even bother anyway and that's not God's will for me and that's not who I want to be I want to be of service and of value to others and have no expectations in return in a perfect world and I fall short a lot but it's it's 90% better well, it says at the very beginning, and, um, as we start reading, it's like the solution to alcoholism, sorry, is altruism in God. And neither of those things that four days sober was I looking forward to. You know, neither of these things sound, first of all, like a good idea, or second of all, like any way that would fulfill me mentally, spiritually, and physically. <laughs> altruism in God, no thank you. You know, I thought that meant I was going to have to, like, altruism was like I was going to have to give away my possessions and live off the land or some shit and we we're all gonna have to move to a commune and I was gonna have to pray all the time. And that is um, not accurate. Thank goodness. Altruism in God today is that I am no longer the show. I'm no longer managing the building and the building is me and my life. You know, my thoughts and my actions are now over to the care of God because I suck so bad at running the show and I, you know, I begin to get some evidence of that in step four, some real evidence, besides the fact I'm drinking myself to death, you know? Um, yeah, we always wanted to help. I would, I would always tell people, be like, I'm so nice. I'd give you the shirt off my back. But I would only give you the shirt off my back if other people were watching. Sure, I would come in and do all these things for you. But the demand for validation actually like counteracted everything that I did because you actually, I'm insatiable when it comes to validation. This is just another thing I found out. I have this hole in my soul driven by the spiritual malady of, of being a human. Okay. I have a spiritual malady, me and everyone else. I have this gaping hole in myself and alcohol used to fill that up. So I didn't need so much from other people and then it stopped. And so I'm out here putting people, places, things to try to fill up this gaping hole in my soul and nothing's working. It's an insatiable hole only filled by God in my experience so far. So when I'm with these other people and I'm like, validate me, validate me, validate me. Imagine being married to me. Validate me, validate me, validate me. They're fucking exhausted. There's no such thing as giving me enough validation or praise for who and what I am that's going to make me just okay in this world. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you, and and the reason is is because I'm I'm fixing the wrong problem, mm. you know. And if me if I need validation and more and more of that, it's not because I'm not good enough, right? I would think I need to be validated because I'm not good enough, and other people prove they like me. The problem is that I think that the thinking is the problem. What it is doesn't really matter. So. It's toxic, self-destructive, horrible, painful thinking. And the only thing that can solve that problem is a drink. And that's why my disease is not drinking. You know, my disease is sobriety. And I drink in order to fix that. Mm -hmm. And even though it's for a temporary short for a second or minute or for a day or however long it is, it always wears off. It always wears off. And it's never enough, just like the validation or the cars or how many girlfriends or how many new sneakers or gambling or whatever that looks like because I'm solving the wrong problem. You know, yes. I'm using an external solution to fix an internal problem. Mm -hmm. So if I have a flat tire, I can change the motor in my car every day from now until the end of time and still have a flat tire. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately for me, I can't see it. 
you know, it's like, oh man, I got to get a new interior. I got if I only had a new radio and a new paint job and the tire is still flat. And the last thing I'd be looking for would be God to go to this, to get any kind of solution. Cause that's not on my radar and I would reject it if it was. But I yes. think when I become so broken and desperate and then so much. So anyway, if, I, if I'm not solving the right problem, I'm solving it with an infinite number of the wrong problem. Be it the drink, be it the drug, be it the uh, money, right? Mm-hmm. I need more, 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 more to be okay. Mm-hmm. And the problem is not the lack of money or the lack of things or the lack of a relationship. It's just that I'm not okay. Mm-hmm. And if I see anus from external things, then I'm never going to be okay. That's why for me, I've get an okayness from internal things, which for me is a relationship with God. Mm-hmm. That is the only be okay. And that's the last place I would look. I would never go to the tire store to look for a new tire. It just would never happen. Yeah. But Max, like it's still the last place I look. I, I So today, this morning, my sponsor, she texted me and she's like, so it's your birthday. Are you well now? Like, have you just got your shit together already? Are you just, I'm like, I'm on a spiritual hilltop. Yes, I am. You know, like, it's still the last place I look. I, my, my uh, message is a very realist approach to what recovery looks like, (laughs) right? Which is like, I don't arrive. All that is offered to me and all that's happened in my experience is that I have had spiritual growth through a lot of pain And everything that I know today has only come through hindsight. So every single issue that I deal with on a day-to-day basis, I say we have a step three proposition every single day. Am I going to choose violence today, which is my own will, or am I going to choose, you know, to turn my will and my my life over to the care of my higher power as I understand him. It's a daily proposition because lack of power is still my dilemma. All these years sober, still my fucking dilemma. And I don't wake up just surrendered on my fainting couch, you know, I still am involved in my life. And I still uh, lack of power is still my dilemma. And I don't want it to be I don't want to have to still do all of the things required in AA for me to stay in a state of recovery. And um, it's not it's, it's the easier, softer way, but it's still there. Like, the program, my the program doesn't stop. I never get to a place where I'm not going to need this dependence upon God. And what I used to hear, this is a good one. What I used to hear in AA all the time when I was like a year sober, old timers, like 30, 40 years would be like, you know, the longer I'm sober, the more I have to, the, the more I have to, more program I have to work. And I was like, fuck that. I have to work so much at one year sober. You know, how could I possibly have to work even harder the longer I'm sober? You know, alcoholism progresses, drunk or sober. What it looks like today is that I am much more sensitive to my own bullshit. So when I'm doing the wrong thing and disconnect from God, which I believe I can do at any time, even multiple times a day if I choose, you know, God's not keeping me in this relationship against his will. He's not He's not um, headlocking me to be in a relationship. I can tap in and out as I choose throughout the day. Um, if I am – so the more I'm sober, the more sensitive I am to the spiritual disconnection within me. So all that looks like is on a day-to-day basis, like I can only misbehave a little bit 
without me paying the price for it. My higher power doesn't punish me today. Like, very recently, I fucked around with something, knew I was doing the wrong thing from day zero. I was like, oh, look at this bad decision you're about to make, fully aware it was the wrong thing. And my higher power is always like, you can fuck around and find out if you want. You know, my higher power gives me the room to make these horrible decisions and mistakes. Um, but the consequences of those are mine. And I am abundantly aware today, awake and aware as to the way that I behave in the world and if it's going to cause harm to me and other people. Like, God doesn't punish me. But on a day-to-day basis, I'm not just jumping up like, this is very easy to depend and rely upon my higher power instead of self. It's still difficult proposition. Um, How were you taken through the 12 steps the first time? Because I don't know how long you've been sober. You can tell me. Uh, yeah, I, I've been sober six and a half years. Yeah. And was taken through the steps a couple times with people had no clue what they were doing. Nice. So, yeah. Did, did, I, you, I got, did you go through the big book? I had a page here and a page there, you know, and fill some stuff out for the teacher and turn it in. And, yeah. All right, 12 steps and here we go, right? And it's not working. Um, but so what I happened? My, well, what happened is I was shopping for a new sponsor when my my most recent sponsor was screaming at me and cursing at me oh. um, and him to spend time with me only to find out he had never worked the 12 steps. Right. So I, um, I mean, I was new and I didn't really know. I just said, will you sponsor me? And he said, yeah, but um, he has never done the work. Mm. So. You know, I mean, anybody can sponsor anybody in AA. You don't have to get a fishing license or a driver's license. It's anarchy. <laughs> anarchy. So hopefully whoever you get is good. And, you know, the person out, I became a beggar and said, please, will somebody help me? Like I had to beg people. And a friend of a friend said, here, just call this guy. And I said, fine. You know, and he said, um, all right, well, if you're, if you're serious, be at my house Sunday at 9 a.m. And I was like. Damn, that's early as shit. Can, yeah. we do like- <laughs> Can we negotiate this? <laughs> yeah. See at nine. I'm like, damn it. All right, nine it is. Yeah. And then we went single page of every single chapter, word by word, word by line by line, word by word, with a full breakdown of everything without droning it on forever. Mm-hmm. You know, came to the part of the work and the and the steps and the inventories. It was simply just straight out of the book because anything other than that is somebody's opinion or somebody's mm-hmm. ego about, oh, oh, well, you don't have to do it that way. And we do it this way over here. It's no, it's right written on the paper and you do it. And that's it. Max, it's, it's make believe. Anything other than the 12 steps as laid out in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous in AA is make believe. It's fairy tales. And right. That's an offensive thing to say, but what I find more offensive is that 90% of the people who walk into AA will leave drunk. 90% at the very most, you know. We are not wading through seas of recovery. We're wading through seas of bullshit. And I don't know if that's God's will or not. Maybe, I guess, cool, whatever. 
My job is to be recovered and to deliver a message with depth and weight, as yours appears to be as well. Congratulations. We are, you know, (laughs) you're the minority here. So when we speak to people of AA, our chief responsibility is to be an accurate representation of the program. And and, and like guest after guest is like uh, people sponsoring me that had no idea what we're doing. This isn't a support group. This isn't a buddy system. I'm not your recovery coach. I'm a drunk loser that could not stay sober till 10 that was bedridden with alcoholism. I followed the instructions in this wee book here. And now I could show you how to do the same. <laughs> That's it. I'm not the power. I have nothing else to offer. However, anything outside of that in an AA meeting is make-believe. It is fairy tales if you have alcoholism. It is promised that it won't work. There are more promises in this book than the ninth step ones. Most of the promises in the big book are that you will drink and die. Most of the promises of our death. So when we say like, actually, anything other than 12 steps in the big book is make-believe, that sounds offensive. However, that might be offensive, but drinking and dying sounds offensive as well, simply because you weren't delivered the message. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's worded perfectly, you know, because everybody wants to be some spiritual guru and maybe they had a psychiatrist or maybe they were in a self-help program or read some books. And like you said, if anybody puts their twist on it, you know, if you have cancer or heart, you know, heart attack and somebody says, ah, you should try that. You don't need radiation. Let's give you like some sea salt under the tongue. Yeah. It's like the same, you know, like this is proven and this is a guarantee and everything else is proven to not work. It, yeah. If something's proven to work, then go there, like go to the therapist or get on some, some Alexa, Alexa or Cymbalta or Celexa, yeah. Prozac or whatever. And whatever that looks but I think for me and most people I know, this book is the last thing I'm going to do because I have pride and I have ego. Mm-hmm. And I know that I need that. And I'm just going to go to some meetings. And for me, meetings are the opposite of recovery. Oh, because yes. in, my, in my mind, I think, oh, well, I'm doing the program because I go to meetings or I go to a lot of meetings. Therefore, look at me. I'm recovering. I celebrated six months. I celebrated nine months, a year, two years. And I'm the meeting guy but I'm dying. Mm -hmm. I'm the meeting guy who's suicidal. As soon as the wind blows the wrong way, I'm ready to drive off a cliff. I hate myself and my family and every relationship that I'm in. I'm screaming at my boss or whatever that looks like. And that's what meetings got me. And I'm a big meeting maker now. So I, some people get confused and say, don't go to meetings. I'm not saying don't go to meetings and I'm not saying I don't go. I'm saying for me, recovery is the 12 steps. And I use meetings to support that and carry the message to people who can't see it or don't know it or aren't there to experience it. Because in the meeting, I can listen to how somebody drank for all these years and they, they have this little sister and their mom and their high school and they crash their car. That's not my disease. My disease is the mental sobriety, torture, hellish torture, like it talks about in the book, um, restless, irritable, discontented, uh, it's the bedevilments of a uh, prey to misery and depression. I can't be of real usefulness to anybody. I hate myself every single day. And a meeting is not going to fix that. And if I think that meetings are recovery, I'm very misguided because a meeting is easy. Just drive in, go in, 
put a dollar in the basket, have a cup of coffee, hobnob with a couple of whoever's, and I go home and I'm all fixed. And I just found that ne- that never worked for me. It might work for some people that are not alcoholic. The heavy it works drinker. for heavy drinkers. Yeah. The partier, the guy that just took it too far, the uh-huh. guy that just wants it. But for the real alcoholic is diagnosed in the big book of AA and the doctor's opinion. If you have this, they don't talk about the meetings in the big book. They don't nope. say go to a night get a sponsor and make coffee and, you know, set up the chair. There was no meetings. It's here. Do the 12 steps or die. You can do whatever you want. Here it is. It says you go to one meeting a week so that the newcomers can find someone to help them, you know, who's already been helped. And so, again, like I'm controversial fucking Carol here all the time, but um, AA meetings aren't designed to give you the facilitate the spiritual experience. They're designed to treat loneliness. And that does work for the the heavy drinker. It does work for the person who's just taken a little bit too far, who can uh, make the decision based on the consequences of their actions to stop drinking alcohol for 30, 40 fucking years. Their sobriety contest is is like impressive. That's cool. Like, yay, you, you should just like have a meme page or something because that's great for you, but I don't have that illness. So when I walk into an AA meeting today, again, this is, I don't care how offensive this is. 90% of the people in that meeting are still sick. 90% don't know what alcoholism is or how to describe it. And you can hear that. And if you don't know what alcoholism is, you don't know what the solution to it is either. And um, very, very sadly, I was talking to someone online yesterday who said, oh, well, just don't drink. And I said to him, I said, honey, have you ever read the big book? And he goes, well, no, I've never read the big book, but I haven't drank for 30 years. And I go, so how do you stay sober? He goes, I go to meetings. And I go, you've never read the big book. Do you feel better just being sober? And he said, yes. And someone wrote, dude, you're you're not an alcoholic. That is depressing. Like It's depressing to think that without any qualification of alcoholism that you could waste 30 years of your life sitting in an AA meeting if you don't have to be. We're not that fucking cool and our coffee is terrible. Why on earth would you just sit in a meeting for 30 years if you don't have to be there? Telling me just not to drink is not an option if you were armed with the facts about what alcoholism is right? We wouldn't have these egregious statements like just don't drink and go to meetings if we just read the first 44 pages of the book with a sponsor. It is so blatantly clear what this illness is within 44 pages that I was like, sir, we could diagnose you in the next 35 minutes if you'd like. And then you could go spend the next years, like 30 years, like fucking starting a business building a homeless shelter, cleaning up the rainforest. There are so many other things you could do with your life than sit in meetings and tell alcoholics dying of alcoholism not to drink because they can't. It's like me. I always say this. I never had a problem with my weight. Just not ever. I don't know why. Good genetics. I don't know. I don't have a weight problem. So it's like me going into OA and being like, just don't eat so much, you know, just be thinner. And they'd be like, well, I mean, I tried that, but I can't, I, I really have no control around food. I'd be like, that's just fucking weird. You should, you, did you try just having a glass of water once in a while? You know, and they'd be like, wow, Agent X, I mean, I'm glad that you don't have a weight problem, but I do. And I'd be like, that's strange. I like to just be here. You know, I like, I like these meetings. They make me feel good. You know, like how, how dare I, how dare I walk into a place that with an illness, 
I don't suffer from and tell people what to do that they are incapable of doing, <laughs> you know? Oh, did you try just to, you know, eat less? Yes, bitch. We tried to eat less. <laughs> <laughs> did you try a glass of water? Yeah. Yeah, we did. Okay. I also am not a gambler. I don't have gambling addiction, you know? I, uh, Actually, there's a this casino. There's really cool casinos where I live, and they have a sports bar that sells American food. Australian food is fucking terrible, just to let you know. Maybe that's why I don't have a weight problem. But they have an American bar. It's like uh, wings and burgers. So me and my husband likes, like to go on date nights there sometimes for the burgers because I'm a recovered alcoholic. I can go to bars, you know, and not be tempted to drink. Shocking. And um, once in a while, if we don't go for a while, they'll send you $25 free to gamble with just to get you back. Um, and I remember going to a roulette table and putting it down, my $25, and I lost it immediately. I was like, this is the dumbest fucking thing I've ever done. But I watched a woman across from me lay out $900 and lose it. She lost $900. I'm a cheap ass. Okay. And I was like, like having heart palpitations. I was like, ma'am, ma'am, please just take your money and go home. This is a terrible thing you're doing. You know, like I could frothy emotionally appeal to this <laughs> person. There's lines of homeless people outside the casino. And I'm like, what if you just took that money and gave it to a homeless guy? I bet that'd be the biggest high of your life. You know, uh, we cannot give solutions away to problems we don't have. Uh, so when you're going to an AA meeting looking for recovery and most of the people there don't uh, know the illness, have the illness or have a solution to the illness, it is kind of ridiculous to think an AA meeting could solve your problem if you have the illness laid out in the book. Yeah. Yeah, that is just so perfectly put. Um, I really think the most common thing that I've heard in the meeting is don't drink. Like from the old timers, here's what I do. Yeah. Drink, I go to a meeting and I pray, right? So that's the solution. Um, like when we talked about meetings before, but here's the problem that I have with that. <clears throat> if step one is I admitted that I was powerless over alcohol, my life had become unmanageable. When somebody says don't drink means I have power and control. Mm -hmm. So I have power and control over something I'm powerless over. You can't have it both ways. It's one or the other. So this is basically just copying off you and going with what you're saying. You can't not, not drink if you have alcoholism. Alcoholism means you will drink, and that's a guarantee. We are Thomas. without the, the first drink, mm -hmm. right? So it's it's just it's just counterproductive, and and you said it perfect. Like you can't offer a solution to a problem you don't have. Mm -hmm. Or uh, you can't give somebody something that, that you don't have. So, you know, if, if our, the solution to alcoholism was don't drink and go to a meeting, the big book would be one page. It would be like a trifold pamphlet about, you know, here's what happens when you drink, all sorts of bad stuff. Here's a couple meetings to go to and just pray some prayer and then God will fix you and you're done. You know. When we read about prayer as well in step 10 and 11, it's like. You can't pray for what, though, because it's saying like, oh, actually, we're not going to pray for what you want anymore. What you want is now irrelevant, because if you're someone like me, I got everything I wanted. OK, I got everything I wanted. Everything society told me to get to be OK. And I wasn't fucking all right. So my best mind had me pray all the prayers for all the things that I thought would fix me. And they fucking didn't. I am 
my mind cannot fix what's wrong with me. And all the things that I go to to think is going to fix what's wrong with me are never the solution. What is the solution is that I keep my head down and help the drunk in front of me. And God runs the show around me. And it's so beautifully presented with evidence today. Like, uh, dude, I can't, I have more evidence of God than, uh, than I have breath. Okay, I just, the evidence is so abundantly clear today because my whole life is destructed by God. Like, it's stupid. It's ridiculous, actually, how much evidence we have of God after, you know, sobriety. So when I'm walking, looking for a solution to alcoholism, I think the most important thing we can do is diagnose if we have it or not, you know? And so I say it in, I don't know, 80 episodes so far. So we'll just... When I start drinking, I can't comfortably stop. And if that was the only solution symptom we had, we could just put the plug in the jug. But if we can't seem to do that, we might have alcoholism of the hopeless variety, which it sounds like me and my friend Max here do. And if that's the problem, the only solution it offers is to complete the rest of the steps. Yeah? Yes. And it says it right in step 12. It doesn't say step 12, congratulations. You have now finished and completed the assignment. You get a diploma and just pop in times a year when you're in the neighborhood. What it says is having had a spiritual awakening as the, not one, but as the um, result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to other alcoholics and practice these principles in all our affairs. So I am here to do the steps and have a spiritual awakening. That's the solution. That's it. Plug in the jug. Don't drink a day at a time. Any of these expressions, let go and let God, are very good ideas. They're helpful. They're rules of thumb to live by. They're wonderful. And it's not going to fix alcoholism if I am a real alcoholic. I need to have a spiritual awakening by completing all of the steps as outlined line by line, word for word, verbatim, out of the big book. And when I have a spiritual awakening, my sponsor's job is not to be my mom. It's not to be my therapist and call when I'm in a breakup. And tell I'm not even your friend. <laughs> it's not I mean, even to be best friends. Like you don't even have to really like your sponsor. I need someone who's going to tell me the truth about the process of connecting back to God. We aren't advice guys, sponsors. I'm not here to tell you how to run your life. I don't know if you should get a divorce. What I do know is if you are disconnected from God, I can refer you back to the process to connect back to your higher power so you and your power can make decisions for yourself. We don't even need to be friends, right? Like, like you and I don't know each other. You could direct me back to God if I told you what I was dealing with right now. It's very cut and dry. I'm a fuckwit right, right now. That's what it is, Max. I'm a, I fucked around and I found out I'm disconnected from God because I did some shady shit. All right. I set my ball rolling. I, I I set the ball rolling to the point where I kicked the ball. I ran in front of the ball and laid down, and the ball has now smashed me in the face, and I'm like a victim of it. It's amazing. It's incredible what alcoholics can do. You could get me through this problem in about four minutes, as I could get you through problems, because we have the same malady and the same solution, right? I was thinking really quick to go back to prayer, though. Like, I don't get to pray anymore for what I want. So when the old timers say, we just put the plug in the jug, pray and go to meetings, what the fuck are you praying for? Because today it's not what I think is best. We have exhausted that 
that area of our life. We've tried to be God's right-hand man. We've tried to be God's co-creator, his like, you know, his sidekick, his co-captain. We fucking failed. We, we, we were trying to fly the plane and telling God what to do. And we have crashed into a mountain. Okay. So I no longer am in the prayer business of need and want for self because it has failed. It says we don't treat God like Santa anymore. And so when people are like, oh, pray for my daughter, or pray for this or pray for that, I'm always like, well, I could pray for God's will because you don't want what I want. Like, whatever I think is best probably isn't going to be best. What I can do is pray to be of service to God and the people about me, right? And then as I'm being of service, I can pray with the best way to do that. And then there's a shit ton of prayers in here to get me out of all kinds of stuff. Anger, fear, self, sex problems. How many other prayers we got? We got night prayers, morning prayers, fucking stopping a dick prayer. We got prayers about everything, you know? So when people say, I just pray and don't drink, go to meetings, like, eh. Or we could be very specific about what that means. I love in step seven, it says we could be vague about this, but instead we're going to tell you line by line what to pray about and watch you get results. Fuck the big book's cool. Max, it's cool. It's fucking cool. You don't think that's cool? It's more than cool. It's divinely inspired. <laughs> in my, you know, and a couple of things I remember when I beginning of the meeting, how much time you have, you didn't want to answer. Mm -hmm. I, when you asked me to do this speech speaking, I asked you how many people are on it. You don't want to answer. Mm -hmm. And I love that because if somebody asked me how much time I have, my answer is going to be six and a half years as though I have it and I did it. And I am so great. And I want everybody to congratulate me that I did something for six and a half years. Oh, and everybody's so proud. When I didn't really do anything, I'm just a, like you said, a broken down junkie from the Kensington section of Philadelphia who's ready to die. And I, I, there's nothing to be proud of. I did what I'm supposed to do. I didn't use, and I didn't drink today. And um, the more things I put out there about my time or how many sponsees or how many you know, people are on this list, it's going to build my ego. And my ego is my alcoholism in reverse. Because my first ego says, you're a piece of shit. Everybody hates you. You might as well drink. And if you die, nobody cares. Well, now I get sober and I still have alcoholism in reverse. It's like, oh, well, you got more time than this guy. You know, th th these people have no idea what they're talking about. They're just talking about drinking. They don't know the book. So now my ego is building and building in alcoholism. And now I know better than you. And I'm yeah. smarter than you. And I have everything. And you guys are a bunch of dopes. And I, it's going to lead me to drink anyway. So for me, I want to be in the middle. I want to be in the middle. I say, don't congratulate me. I didn't do it. You know, I am willing to do these things to be of service to God and everyone else because I am a junkie fucking loser. That's why, you know. And um, but yeah, I've always done the same thing. But here's very recently what I I feel I've been kind of woken up to. I I did a lot with the sponsee thing. I always tell I'm always I would always be counting like how many who do I have who do I have and like what I realized I was also doing is that I still have some prejudice of old ideas about God that I'm on a merit system with God that if I help enough. If I do enough service in AA or have enough sponsee, that God will, um, that he'll bless me, air quotes, right? Like, if I 
serve enough alcoholics, maybe God will pat me on the head and be like, good girl, here's a pony. And that's just old ideas with God that I'm being kept sober by some merit system, which is really funny because I always get on the show and I'm always like, don't put me on a pedestal. I'm fucking a dickhead. Meaning, meaning I didn't get recovery based on merit. I got here based on willingness. So I didn't walk in here and God's like, now that's a keeper. She's a fucking winner, you know, (laughs) and Bill didn't either. This is why Bill is so rad because Bill did it is not some preacher preaching down from a spiritual high top saying, do better drunks. He is a dick. And I love how he discusses himself where he puts like his story at the beginning of the book, even though it's just a personal story and absolutely belongs in the back of the book. And he starts out saying my favorite part that describes who Bill W is ready. We're going to read it because it's just fucking this is who he is. This is in the doctor's opinion. It says, though he had been a competent businessman of good earning capacity, you know goddamn well that Bill wrote that about himself, right? He's like, don't worry, I'm not a loser, right? Bullshit, Bill. You were fucking broke as shit. You were cheating on your wife the whole time. Like, because Bill is a cheater and a loser and money hungry and just kind of fucking flailing around at life. And he also was gifted recovery. That's why I'm here. I'm just a junky, drunk loser who has been willing to participate in the program of action laid out at my feet, even though I don't like it. I have been gifted this gift of sobriety and the gift of being articulate in a way that I can share the message. Okay. But you don't even have to be articulate. Like, That's why I got the podcast. This is like a side gig, you know? This is like, oh, look how you get to be of service just because I happen to be articulate. If you have been taken through the words in the book and have had a spiritual awakening, you are now capable of helping another alcoholic recover from alcoholism. And if you've read the book properly up to this point, you've read it's actually your only purpose for being alive. Okay. Shocker, right? It's the only reason that God's keeping it alive. God did not clean me up all shiny and was like, here's your health and your family and your life back, age and X. Now just go be selfish again. Right? He's like, your selfishness is the problem. Here's why you're blocked off from me. Now we've done the program to unblock you. Why don't you just go sit in your beach house and smoke cigarettes and, you know, view the ocean the rest of your life? That is not my experience. God's like, all right, bitch, I saved your life. Go save others. That's it. Cut and dry. So how you do that, as long as you stick to the book and don't make up fairy tales for other alcoholics, uh, can look a lot of different ways. But it's simply one alcoholic helping another alcoholic with the program as laid out in the book. So hopefully this this podcast, not hopefully, I know that it does help people, Um kind of is me and a bunch of other people just saying, no, no, stick to the book. No, no, right here. Just follow it. No, 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 no. It's like hurting cats. We're just hurting you back to the book, right? Never had anyone on here that I haven't like, that has been like, hey, maybe you should try more yoga. You know, I like to say I will go find um in, in Australia, like they're all yoga teachers, all of the alcoholics. I know about 17 yoga teachers because they tried that as a spiritual solution for their problem before they tried it. <laughs> yeah. 
If yoga is still an option, go try yoga. Do you want to read out of the book with me? We are on page 73, me and you. Sure. Uh, I'm going to go do a little speaker talk tonight on my birthday somewhere. I don't know. Some meeting I've been to. And she goes, do you want to come read out of the good book on your birthday? And I just thought that was so fucking funny. Um, All right. So you and I are on page 73. Thank God we're into into action. Because I spent, I don't know, 70 episodes on how it works. So the very first line, page 73 on the top, is you and me. Having persevered with the rest of the program, they wonder why they fell. We think the reason is that they never completed their house cleaning. They took inventory all right, but they hung on to some of the worst items in stock. They only lost, thought they lost their egoism and fear. They only thought they had humbled themselves, but they had not learned enough of humility, fearlessness, and honesty in the sense we find it necessary until they, until they told someone else all their life story. <laughs> okay, so I remember sitting down with my sponsor on the very first day, and I was like, well, I know what I'm not going to tell you in step five, you know, because I looked, I'd been here before. I saw the shit on the wall, you know. I was like, I know what I'm not going to tell you in step five. And I know who I'm not going to apologize to in step nine. She goes, that's cool. You've been sober like four hours. So, you know, why don't you wait till we get to that point and then you can decide. Um, again, what we were just talking about earlier, there's a lot of promises in this book. And most of them are that I will drink again. Most of them are that I will die of alcoholism. That's why we're so, you know, passionate about the solution, huh? Oh, yeah. I mean... It was funny what you were sharing before about when, when somebody tells you to pray, you know, and go to a meeting, you know, I would love to ask that person, like, so what prayer should I say? Yeah. And when should I, say? and which meeting should I, should I go to an early meeting if I want to drink early? Or <laughs> what if I, right, do I go to a late meeting or does one size fit all? Or let's be like, what if I want to go to two meetings a day, but I skip three days or like, how does not drinking and praying, how is a prayer going to help me? You know, oh, so I wake up and ask God to keep me sober and I thank him at night. That's so wonderful and lovely and it sounds beautiful and I sound really smart, but that's not written anywhere in the book. So maybe if that's extra, maybe you get extra credit for that. But what the prayers talk about here in the book is to do a, not a 10 step at night, which is often misconceived. It's 11 step nightly inventory and a morning look ahead in the 11 step. Um, and the 10 step is basically, you know, as we're going during the day. Um, so I'm not sure if I got off track with that, but, you know, not doing, you talked before about a guy who's in the meeting for 30 years and hasn't read the book. Hmm. So in years, how many hours have you put into AA to be sober with 42,000 meetings at an hour apiece and a diner and this and that you spent a hundred thousand hours in AA, but you didn't do the only thing. That is the solution, which would take a couple of weeks, a couple of months, whatever it is. A lot of people do the only thing that is not, the, you know, right. don't do the only that is the solution because the meeting is the easier, softer way. We thought we could find an easier, softer way, but we could not. You know, there is none. There is none. You don't believe it? Then do your own fist step. Do whatever amends you want. And if you go out drinking again, you're probably alcoholic. And when you come back, we won't tell you that we told you so, right? We yeah. just get back in the book and we do the work that it says, you know, if you want to make a cake and you just land it on planet earth, and instead of adding some salt and sugar, you're going to add some soil and a tree and some soap. It's not going <laughs> to 
But in, in AA, yeah, you know, I'm not big on that. And I don't think I need this. That's fine. Don't do it. And then you'll know. So at least when you come back, if you do, then you'll be ready, hopefully. And if you're not ready then, then when you come back the next time, hopefully you'll be ready. God forbid. But it's a promise. Like you said, you will drink. I don't know that it's so much that people aren't ready. I honestly, genuinely believe there's just no depth and weight in AA meetings. But that's now that being said, it doesn't make sense when I follow through that thought because, you know, I got sober in a room of a lot of people without recovery. Like a lot of unwell people helped me get well and the bullshit and the frothy emotional appeal and like, I'll love you back to life. Like, all the stupid shit, the parroting of like little one-liners and the jokes and all the stuff that don't treat alcoholism kept me around as I had my spiritual experience that was facilitated by my sponsor, who was a recovered alcoholic armed with facts about herself, about alcoholism and the solution. Um, So a lot of unwell people did help me get well. So I talk a lot of shit about AA but at the same time, I, I don't know that when you walk into a meeting that you're getting a clear-cut um, representation of either the, the problem or the solution. So it's such a hard place to, um, to come to terms with. Are people just not ready? Or are people walking into a room and hearing frothy emotional appeal and a message without any depth or weight? Are people walking into a room of AA and not hearing what alcoholism is? Um, Are they hearing things like 90 meetings in 90 days? If 90 meetings in 90 days treated alcoholism, well, we would just go home after that. It's an alluding to the fact that time treats alcoholism. And again, by page 44, you're going to be real clear that time doesn't treat the illness I suffer from. So to tell me that something's going to happen in 90 days, that's delusional. It's also a rehab slogan. Okay. And if rehab worked, fuck yeah, go right on. I wish, dude, if I could just go to rehab for a month, 28 days and take some art therapy and take a break from my children and have a chef cook for me in a private bathroom. Bye. I would just do that instead. Wouldn't you? But rehab didn't work for me, right? This is the last house on the block. If those other things don't work, AA does. But the problem is, is that we have a singleness of purpose very loudly stomped on by people who don't know what that means, like how step three is um, really misconstrued when you look at the short form, you know, we are here for everyone with alcoholism. And the program is suggested as a program to recover. There are other programs to try. But in AA, it's the only suggestion we have. In AA, The 12 step is the only solution to alcoholism offered in AA. Everything other than that is make-believe. Okay, so having persevered with the rest of the program, they wondered why they fell. Well, what that's saying is that um, there are requirements to recover again. I, ah, I feel like this paragraph is so fucking important. It's promising again that if you leave stuff out you will drink again. So here it is like, but I did step eight or I did step, you know, nine, some of it. I tried to sponsor a guy, but I drank again. So that I am promised to drink again if I don't follow the program in its entirety as well. 
So the times that it tells me that I will drink again, it's promised, right? Is to, this is the first time, leave something out in step five. You will drink again. And I, mine was the thing that I sat down with my sponsor and I was like, I know what I'm not going to tell you. You know, uh, I ended up telling her, obviously, and it's been used to help other people. So leave something out in step five. You are promised to drink again, which means that to stay recovered, it's promised you have to do all the work in general. It's not take what you like and leave the rest. That's Al Anon. They aren't drinking themselves to death get fucked. You can't take what you like and leave the rest. I would leave all of it. Okay. If there were choices here, the second time it tells me I am promised to drink again is not finishing my amends, including financial. And I just was right before you with a sponsor doing step nine. And I was like, I feel like as we're reading, it says, bitch, you're about to go to jail. If you make this amend, go to jail, you're going to fucking lose your, your job. If you make this amend, bitch, lose your job. It says like, these are real actions that I have to take regardless of what's going to happen. I feel like most people get to step nine and they're like, Bill didn't really mean go to jail. Nah, bitch, he really means go to jail. You know, he didn't really mean to make an amend to my ex. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. None of these are fucking optional if you want to live. And then the third time it threatens my life and promises I'll drink again is if I don't continue to carry the message through one-on-one sponsorship, not even using the step guide, whatever you want to call it. My primary purpose is my alcoholic ass showing another alcoholic ass how to recover using the 12 steps. If you don't do those three things, you are promised to drink again. So don't worry. You didn't relapse. You just didn't fucking follow the program. God, I'm controversial today. (laughs) Um, That's perfect. What you just said last, you didn't relapse. You just didn't follow the program. In other words, you can't relapse if you never recovered. (laughs) Exactly. You had two days sober and that's wonderful. And you didn't drink for a month and, and that's wonderful. But I can't see how that's really a relapse. I mean, yeah. did you really come? Did you really come in and do it, or did you just hit a couple meetings, look at some pretty young girls, yeah. you know, and go to diners, and that felt nice? And you you were right on the money when you said that this information is not at the meeting, right? That it's let go and let God. We hear a war story, you know. We, we're grateful. We talk about gratitude and all this nice fairy tale stuff, and that's not in the book. Like you said, it's a fairy tale, and. Um, People are dying now, especially way worse now with the opiates and the fentanyl. Like you just use oh, and die. Jesus. Yeah. You're yeah. done. Like, I don't know how it is in Australia. Probably yeah, the same bad. as here. Mm-hmm. You're done. You know, you're done. And um, somebody's walking into an AA meeting desperate for help, trying not to die. And people say, don't drink, don't drink, you know, sit down and don't drink and keep coming back. And it works and it works. Why aren't they going to tell you that? If you don't do this work, you're going to die as written in the big book with all those promises. And if you want to live, this is what we do. Why isn't that the primary? Yeah, we read how it works. It does get read. We do read the promises, but it's almost like I pledge allegiance when I was a kid, you know, in, yes. in the United States, you, you say a little pledge allegiance thing that nobody knows what it means when you're in fourth grade and blah, 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 and you're done. So here, like the readings are like a formality, like, you know, rarely okay, thanks for reading. You yes. know, not like, what is this saying? What what are we doing here? What is this saying? You know, let's get involved with this work. And what's what's the worst case scenario? You know, what's the worst? You do the work and you don't like it. You do the work and it doesn't work. You know, you do the work and 
you drink or you do the work and you're going to die. But if you don't do the work, you're definitely going to do all those things. Mm-hmm. So why not do it? You know, do you want to go lose weight and go to the gym and stand there and everybody else is running on the treadmill and you're hanging around the treadmill and standing in front of the gym and say, hey, did you go to the gym? Hell yeah. I was at the gym for an hour and a half. That's amazing. I sat in the lobby for an hour and a half. That's my analogy yeah. to sitting in the gym lobby is an AA meeting. You can watch fit people walk by you all day. You can watch fat people walk by you all day. You can just sit there and hear those people talk about their workouts all day long. But you are sitting in the lobby of a gym. And that's an AA meeting today. The lobby of the fucking gym. Nothing's happening there. You may hear other people's workout experiences and fitness tips. But until you get your fucking ass up, you are literally in the lobby of the gym. So so the promises of our death and my every time people say we're going to read the promises, I just cringe. I start twitching like the step nine promises are fine, but there's actually promises in every single step like good ones and promises of our death. But I read the 10 step promise because the ninth step promises are like, oh, you're just going to be less of a dick. Well, I don't care about that. I'm selfish. Okay. I want the 10 step promises where it used words like I stop fighting people, place uh, like other people and alcohol. I stop um, battling against the first drink. I have peace and serenity in my life. You know, I alcohol as a problem has been removed from me. Why the fuck don't we read that as the promises in AA? Every meeting I've ever ran, I refuse to read the nine-step promises. I always read the fucking 10th because, like, without the 10th step, we die. And I think the 10-step promises are reiterating what the problem is, that I am powerless over alcohol. And unless a power greater than myself removes the problem from me, I am destined to drink again. Unless the problem is that I have no willpower over. Time isn't going to treat. Meetings isn't going to treat. My sponsor isn't going to treat. Unless this problem is removed from me, I will drink and die. And again, here's the first promise of my death that I, if I don't finish this house cleaning, if I don't fucking tell you the truth for the first time in my whole life, and the way I get this out of a sponsee is right here, I'm like, tell me the thing. What thing? Tell me the thing that you are not going to tell me, bitch. Spit it out. That's what I do with you in a fifth, for fifth step. Say the thing, you know, say that, say it. And then they like vomit it out. And then all of a sudden something happens. Like nothing happens to them when they tell the truth for the first time in their whole life. And like, I find that a spiritual experience. What do you do with your sponsees in step five? What does it look like? Well, basically for, for me going through step five with my sponsees, my, what my sponsor sort of directs me is that I'm supposed to do nothing mm. really and let them go over their inventory and I don't have to correct them or prove things to them. It's just basically a humbling experience that they need to go through mm. um, so that they can get closer to God. And they may not see it at that time and think, well, this is silly. What am I doing anyway? You know, a lot of times I do it at the the clubhouse that, that we have. And it's a real nice sacred place. And I'll put them at the front, at the front of the class while I'm in like the audience, just us two. And they're at the star of the show and they can just literally read it to me. And, you know, one thing that I can do is see where maybe some bullshit comes out or where some alcoholism is coming out or, or where some, um, 
non-honesty is coming out or where something might be left behind or where they're not seeing it or where they're being justified or, you know, it's easy for me to see a stain that might be on your shirt. Yes. But you see it, right? So Mm -hmm. I can sort of be the eyes and ears of the person and not to sit there and correct everything, but more to just get the gist of it. Let's see what's what. And ultimately humility and, and humbling ourselves through this process is the start of a relationship with God, right? Because I'm getting away from self mm-hmm. and self is all my anger, my frustrations. Everybody screwed me over. I'm a victim. I can't believe they did this. And it's my chance to shine, to let everybody know how bad they hurt me and how bad I got screwed. But then when we turn around and look at the backside of the paper, what I have them do it on as well, wait a minute, where was I selfish? Where, where was I self-seeking? And is there any dishonesty on my end? And a lot of times there's a spiritual awakening happening right there because I know they're not going to fill it out because they're not going to admit that they were selfish, right? I might, I might get two words or some shortcut answer, but that's an opportunity to say, okay, well, you know, your mom did this, 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 and this, and you don't think you were selfish. And, and let's take a look at that. You know, let's take a look at that maybe a little deeper. And it's the best when the light goes on. Yeah. For it be that is the spiritual awakening, like, oh shit. Mm-hmm. Oh shit. It, it wasn't them. Mm-hmm. You know, I was in a meeting a couple of weeks ago and, and somebody said something it was a woman in the, in the, uh, in the crowd I was sharing. And she said, you know, if I could, if I could sum up recovery in three words, he, she said, here's what it would be. She said, it's not them, mm-hmm. you know, and all this whole life running around, blaming everybody, being afraid of all this stuff, fearing everything. And I'm not good at it. And it doesn't mean nothing. Nothing yeah. meant nothing. And what an opportunity that I have to experience it with myself and my sponsor and to help somebody else's light come on. I don't need to be better than them or I don't even like the term sponsor that puts me on a level with them. I like to be another, like you said, an addict, junkie, whatever it is. We're man to man and we're talking and I did the work and now you're going to do it and that's it. Yep. And hope I can help you put your hand with my hand in touch with God. And you go on your way and you carry the message too. And um, it's just a beautiful process that would be number five trillion on my list of things to do when I keep, it would just never, it would just never have, I'd rather be homeless, you know, with a needle in my arm in jail, smoking crack than have to go here. But eventually it's like, all right, I'll I'll try it. I'm so broken and so desperate that I'll ask a grown man for help and tell him all my secrets in a fifth step terrified of judgment and not being liked. And what if people found out and all, and to get through that and have freedom on the other side is like, Oh my God, now I see why we do this. Meeting makers make it can stick it up your ass. Let's do this freaking work. What a wonderful place to end as we are actually over our hour. Cause it goes by so fast, doesn't it? Thank you so much, Max, for coming on and being with me today. It was so nice to meet you. And thank you, everyone, for listening to That's Not in the Book. Please remember, you can give us um, an email at that's not the book at hotmail.com if you want to reach out, if you need sponsorship or some help in anything, or if you want to come on and read the book with me. I need more friends. I've ru- I'm running out of friends uh, <laughs> to read the book. I may have to like go through and start over. But uh, thanks, Max, for reading with me, and we'll see you all next week. Have you even read the fucking book?